Hello everyone. My name is Shanae Jones, your resident certified sex coach, and you are listening to D-O-Y-O-U-K-N-K-Y, which stands for Do You Know the New Kinky You? For this particular series, we are reading from the book Mirror of Intimacy, Daily Reflections on Emotional and Erotic Intelligence by Alexandra Katakis and Tom Bliss. This book was the ASEC 2015 Book of the Year. ASEC stands for the American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. And so what this book reading is, again, a daily reflection. So I'm presenting to you each day what uh, this book is covering. Um, It starts with a quote and goes into their synopsis of what the meaning of the topic is. And today's topic on January 6th is love. Now, after I read the passage to you, I'll give you a second or two to ponder what it is that I've just read, you know, get your insights on it. And I will share with you uh, my thoughts on it. Um, What I'm going to do is at the end of each week on Sunday, I'm going to go onto YouTube and create a summary of the daily reflections where hopefully you can come and add any feedback that you have on any of the topics, you know, what your opinions are, if you disagree with me, if you agree with me, anything that you have to reflect on with the authors. So let's start with our quote. Your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it by Rumi. Poets and scholars have pondered the meaning of love from the beginning of time. The Greeks dealing delineated three types of love, agape, philia, and eros. Agape is a love that is so deep and profound that it includes the universe. It is a feeling that emerges from inside our being and encompasses the depths of our soul. Philia is the love we feel for our friends, the warm, familial gentleness that brings security, laughter, and kindness to our lives. Eros, or romantic love shot from Cupid's arrow, is the love that starts wars, moves mountains, and makes star-crossed lovers like Romeo and Juliet die for one another. Eros is passionate and sexual, and, like a powerful drug, sends us into a swoon and sometimes out of our right minds. It inoculates us to our lovers' imperfections so that we enter the commitments of everlasting love which are necessary for building a family. In the game of tennis, love is a score of zero, suggesting that we're in, when we're in love, the score is even and all is well. But how often do we keep a competitive score in love relationships? This tit-for-tat scorekeeping holds the ball in play so that we don't have to look at ourselves. Research shows that when contempt defensiveness, blame, and shame are in the forefront of a couple's style of relating, divorce is surely on the horizon. Conversely, utterances of love and appreciation are antidotes to the nasty, I won, you lose, words that eat at the foundation of love. Keep the score zero in our relationships. Give generous doses of gratitude. Make caring gestures to your partner daily and watch the passion and abundance grow.
That is the author's interpretation for love on January 6th. So, you know, what are your thoughts on what love means to you? So as I was reading this, you know, certain things uh, I picked up on, like they mentioned everlasting love, which also made me think of unconditional love and then love at first sight and, you know, falling in love. And when I thought of falling in love, you know, I kind of highlighted that in. I'm like, well, of course, if you can fall in something, you can fall out of something. So if you can fall in love and you can fall out of love, then is love ever everlasting or unconditional, you know, and maybe there are levels to love. Maybe, you know, at the baseline cursory level of love, you know, it's something that is fleeting that you can move in and out of. And then maybe there is this almost uh, agape version of love that truly is, you know, at the core of the universe that is truly everlasting and unconditional. So, you know, those three levels, you know, I, I, I don't know, maybe it's just from my experience. I don't know if I've ever, you know, wanted to move the universe, but, you know, I have this unconditional love for my daughter, you know, and my mom and members of my family, but not everybody in my family. So, you know, I, I, I'm trying to evaluate for myself, how does love play in my life, you know, personally, because, you know, as far as family goes, you know, we're born into a family. We don't get to pick and choose, you know, who we're related to. And there's no guarantee that you're going to love everybody in the bunch. And I don't think that there is a, a reason to feel bad about that. We're all people, you know, and there, are, there shouldn't be an obligation. I think love is something that, you know, if not intuitively completely overwhelming and infatuating to your life, that is a choice. It's something that you kind of have to work at. And so when, that made me think of, you know, when you have friends that you haven't seen in forever and the moment you see them, it's just like you picked up from where you left off and you have that love for each other. And perhaps it's undying and unconditional because it doesn't matter through space and time. You, you haven't lost that connection. But then you have other friends that you used to love like a sister or a brother back in the day. And you like fuck them people now, you know. So I, love is fleeting. Love is unconditional. I guess it depends on the situation and, and who it is that, you know, that love and affection is being targeted towards. Who, who I guess, deserves that level of love and affection for you. But, you know, I think it's something to pay attention to if you know that you have those differentiating levels of how you deal with people. You know, I think it's important to to be clear because, you know, one of the things when we were talking about the Eros part, the passionate and sensual part of love, you know, in the, the passage, the author said, the eros is what inoculates us to our lover's imperfections. And so I, I honed on that because this is really where when we first meet people and, you know, I'm, I've, I'm a fan of saying that, you know, those first six months, you're really meeting that person's representative. Everybody's on their best behavior. Uh, they're, they're, they want to be liked, you know, as if, it, if it's in that 
realm of, you know, wanting to date and get to know each other. If we're talking about a one night stand or, you know, some other situation, then no. But if you're in a situation where you're actually interested in dating somebody and getting to know them, you're putting out your representative. And I'm not a fan of it because I personally can't keep it up. But that's why, you know, after six months or so, you start to see changes in people. Now, there are certain things to people's core that they cannot change regardless of how much they put out their representative. So, it's that arrows that makes us look past it in the beginning. It's, oh, it's cute or it's not a big deal. But as soon as that chemical of love starts to die down, you know, and we're left with the emotional part of love, because to me, love is two parts. It's that chemical brain, that dopamine that says, oh my God, I want to be around this person. I can't, I can't stand, I want to, you know, do all of that. But then, you know, that had, when that subsides, you still have to hold on to that emotional piece. That emotional piece is what sustains. And so what happens is when you start to see that person and those things start to irritate your nerves or start to, you know, they don't rub you the same way as when you first met. You have to understand that that emotional part has to be maintained. And so I actually looked it up that the most expensive car in maybe the world, at least I just typed in most expensive car is the 1962 Ferrari GTO is sold at auction for $48.4 million. Now, I know for a fact that there are not a lot of 1962 cars on the road right now. I know for even more certain that there aren't that many 1962 Ferrari GTOs valued at $48.4 million, which means that the person who owns that car had to put in the work to make sure that that car was as pristine as the day it rolled off the manufacturing line. Which means that that owner had to put in work. They had to put in the time. They had to put in the effort. They had to do whatever it is they needed to do to make that car as valuable as it could possibly be. And it's the same thing with love. If you don't put in the work, if you don't put in the time, if you don't put in the energy, if you don't put in the effort, you're going to be like every other 1962 vehicle that is in somebody's scrapyard or in the back of their garage somewhere not being driven, which in my head right now is sex. You're not being driven. You're not having any, and it's going to be all bad. So if you don't maintain that, then you're going to have a problem in the long run. So I would want my relationship to be the 1962 Ferrari. So that's the type of work that I'm trying to put in. And so you can go back to, uh, I have on my YouTube channel, I have a video on the five love languages. So I'm just going to name them right now. It's the, uh, Acts of service, uh, words of affirmation, receiving gifts, physical touch, and acts of service. And so there are there's an author and a methodology that says that there are these five love languages that most people work from. And we have primary, we can have secondary, we can have, you know, all of these things can resonate with us in a particular way. And we sh- can be able to rank them and say, you know, well, to my partner, you know, this is how... I like to communicate and, you know, your partner can say, well, this is how I like to communicate. And, you know, you can, as as long as you're willing to listen and put in that work. So for instance, 
I, I tell my daughter all the time, she says, mommy, I love you, mommy, I love you. But then I say, well, can you show me? Because, you know, I prefer, you know, acts of service because I've asked you to clean your room a thousand times and you haven't done that shit yet. So you say you love me. I understand. And I appreciate you. Love me. I hear you. But show me by doing the things that I asked you to do that would help me out around the house. You know, so there are things that resonate to the person that you're dealing with. And you need to understand that. And maybe it's simple as having a conversation about love languages, you know, and just, you know, some guys might think it's silly, but I know people, men and women who are, you know, replicated and, and, and they live it every day because that's what they do to maintain that relationship, to make sure that they're putting in that work, to make sure that they're listening, to make sure that they are being affectionate and caring for their partner. You know, so it makes sense to, if not the love languages, find something that you guys can use to to keep that intimacy and that spark alive. Because, you know, even though love is the chemical and it can dissipate, you can also feed that dopamine, you know, do things to keep that chemistry alive. It's you. It's possible you can do it. And so that's my take on love for January 6th. So, again, my name is Shanae Jones, your resident certified sex coach. I appreciate you for being here. Um, please share the podcast if you find it uh, interesting and uh, helpful to you. Also, you can follow me on all social media. It's at D-O-Y-O-U-K-N-K-Y. Uh, usually, you should be able to find me using that. Uh, I think on Instagram, there's a two behind it. But if there are any issues... You know, just ping me and let me know. Oh, the website too. Go visit that. www. I don't even know if people say that anymore, but do you dot com. See you tomorrow.